As you guys know, the pandemic has created the rise of the digital nomad. If you don't know what a digital nomad is, it's a subset of a remote worker. But unlike a remote worker who typically will choose a single location like home to work from, a digital nomad will travel and explore when working. An example of this is actually our friend Shant, who we've had on our podcast uh, a few times, most recently a few months ago. He was tired of working from home all the time and thought, why not work remotely in Florence, Italy for a month or so? And that's exactly what he did. He explored the city during the day and worked in the evening, which aligned with the work um, hours in SoCal. If you haven't heard that podcast, it's definitely worth a listen. So that got us wondering, what if you wanted to stay for longer than a month or even longer than a typical 90-day visitor's visa would allow? Well, we're glad that you asked. Today, we've done the research for you and found six locations that should be at the top of your list if you want to be a digital nomad yourself. I am Kristen, and this is the Meet Us in Paris podcast, the podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or what to pack for your next trip. And with me today is Tanya. Hello there. Hello, Tanya. How are you? I'm doing good, getting ready for the weekend. Oh, that's right. We're (laughs) recording on a Friday today, and we have Zen with us. Hey, how goes it? Oh, good. Greetings and salutations. (laughs) We're I'm all tired. digital digital messes today. Yeah, we're digital <laughs> messes, yeah. Well, before we begin um, our favorite digital nomad countries, let's listen to a quick break from our sponsor. Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big, take risks, be amazing. Okay, you guys started last time. I'll start this time. Oh, that's very generous of you. Thank yeah. you. So okay. the um, so. First of all, we came up with it. We found a couple lists online where you could go to live in these countries for digital nomad, uh, become a digital nomad. Um, and the list was 40, oh, at least 40 or more countries who are looking for people to move to their countries for up to a year, maybe a little bit longer. Work your job um, from wherever it is around the world. And stay there. And I think these countries want this type of thing is because you get paid in American dollars. And if you're being paid in American dollars, that means you're much more likely to go out and put that money into their economy. So really, really cool. So there's a lot of countries who have digital nomad um, digital nomad packages. So I was trying to figure out which ones I should go look, which ones I should choose. So I chose two. And the way I chose this was I actually looked at um, Travel and Leisure magazine has the top, I think the top 15 or top 20 places to visit around the world every year. They have a list. And so I went through their list, went through the last three years, saw which countries came up the most, and then chose the ones that I had absolutely no idea about. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I kind of did a similar thing. 
Yeah, because the thing is, like, you know, I you know, Italy, you know, it's like that's common. I was just like, well, let's learn a little bit about places that I don't know about and what they have to offer. So the first one is Croatia. Nice. Um, yeah. So apparently, Croatia is. Um, I I never. This was not on the top of my list. However, it was just like really interesting to learn about it. But, you know, they have lots, apparently they have lots of activities. They have historical monuments. Of course, they have lots of outdoor things to do. And apparently it's it's like a Mediterranean-like climate. And it has some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. Um, so there's lots of shows and there's lots of things to do there. But that's probably a podcast for another time. So, <laughs> yeah. So the... um. So the question is, how can you get a digital nomad visa? The answer is yes. How long can you get a digital nomad uh, visa for? The answer is you can get a residence permit and you can stay and reside in Croatia and work via remote working and you can do it for up to 12 months. And oh, wow. Yeah, so you can do stay there for 12 months in a row. If you After you leave... If you leave for six months, you can reapply again and then stay for another six months. Um, the in order to do this, you have to have a you if you're a non-EU citizen. Um, if you're an EU citizen, you don't have to apply for a permit. If you're a non-EU citizen, you have to apply for a permit. Meaning, if you live in the United States or now Great Britain, I guess proof you have to prove to them that you have income of at least uh, <laughs> $2,629. $29. Make sure very you have specific, that. Yeah. Very, very specific. <laughs> um, and you need to have proof that you have a minimum of $31,000 in a bank account. A minimum um, of how much? Sorry? $31,000 in a okay. bank account. So okay. that means like if if you for some reason lose your work that you have the ability to continue to live there um and apparently thirty one thousand dollars is an uh, enough to live there for a year if you have um if you bring your wife you only need to have ten percent more so like an increase of another three thousand dollars or so and then both you can live there so probably most of it is rent also you have to have sh proof that you work for a foreign country and that's pretty much it. The rest of it is just kind of the typical stuff, filling out forms, um, a passport, proof of health insurance, um, what you plan to do. Of course, we talked about that you have the ability to come and live there for a while. Um, proof that you're not um, a criminal and um, also an, an, an address. So um, you need to provide them where you will actually be staying. That could be a Airbnb. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I was going to say, so you need a place before you go, but I guess you can even just have it where you're first going. Yeah. It could okay. be a hostel, hotel, an okay, Airbnb yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And and that's it. I mean, it seems pretty simple. And um, go look it up. You can, they actually have a page that you go check, you can go check out on how to go and live there for up to 12 months. Nice. Good. Now you guys have to figure out who's next from here. Okay, well, I'm happy to go. Um, so I chose Estonia. So I found the list. Um, actually, when I first even heard of this, the digital nomad visa, 
um, as there were three countries that were doing it at the time. I vividly remember one was um, Barbados, one was Estonia. I don't remember the third. And I was very intrigued because I have been to Estonia. I thought it was lovely. And I thought, huh, I wonder if I should go there and work remotely. Oh. Um, long story short, I didn't, but I was pleased to look into it now. So they started this um, August 1st, 2020. So, I mean, this was still the thick of the pandemic. They like were immediately up and running with this. So if you were, um, there are certain eligible location independent workers. So essentially that you would have be an employed worker who you can travel, be remote. Um, you can apply for the chance to come to Estonia to live for up to a year. Um, they actually have their government website for this, has a complete digital nomad guide for all you need to know about being a digital nomad in Estonia, including a step-by-step -step guide on how to become a digital nomad, advantages and disadvantages of being a digital nomad, how to make a living as a digital nomad, how to set up a business in the EU with what they call e-residency, um, and understanding if the digital nomad life is for you. You can apply for this digital nomad visa if you meet the following requirements. You are able to work independent of location. You can perform your work duties remotely using telecommunications technology. It sounds like two sides of the same coin, but whatever. Uh, you either have an active employment contract with a company registered outside of Estonia, conduct business through your own company registered abroad, or work as a freelancer for clients mostly outside of Estonia. And you can provide evidence that your income meets the minimum thresholds during the six months preceding the application. So um, currently, the monthly income threshold was... 35, so 3,504 euros. <laughs> That's hilarious. Another, that. Yeah, very specific it's amount. Um, and actually, I don't recall how long the visa was for. I believe it was for up to a year, um, but don't quote me on that. So what I did too was on top of looking up some of those specifics on their digital nomad life, I did a little book report on Estonia itself because you have to know if the place <laughs> that you're going to go is somewhere you want to be working remotely. So let's, let's look at Estonia. It's population. Oh, <laughs> the population as of 2022 is 1,328,000. So essentially 1.3 million. The capital is Tallinn. The currency is the Euro. They are a, unitary multi-party republic with a single legislative house. Their head of state is the president, Alar Karas, and the head of government is the prime minister, Kaya Kallis. And their language, their one official language is Estonian. Um, I can say having been to the capital, a lot of, most everyone spoke English. So oh, wow. that was Great. pretty okay. So Estonia is the northernmost Baltic state. It is bordered to the north by the Gulf of Finland, across from Finland on the Baltic Sea, to the west by the Baltic Sea, right across from Sweden, to the south by Latvia, and to the east by Lake Papis and Russia. And it's actually, I visited Estonia doing a day trip from Finland. So from Helsinki, you can get a ferry that's, I think it was about an hour, and it crosses the Baltic Sea and goes to Estonia's capital. So you also can do the opposite, go really easy into Finland. And I know all those Baltic cruises always stop in a lot of these 
these places. So you could even do a Baltic cruise from Estonia and see that whole Scandinavian Baltic region. So there's a lot going on up there. The land of what is now modern Estonia has been inhabited by humans since at least 9,000 BC. The medieval indigenous population of Estonia was uh, one of the last, quote, pagan civilizations in Europe to adopt Christianity following the papal sanctioned Livonia crusade in the 13th century. Estonia is now a developed country with a high income advanced economy ranking very high in the human development index. Um, so they are one of the like very happy countries with a lot of good quality of life. The sovereign state of Estonia is a democratic unitary parliamentary Republic. Whew mouthful. It is administratively <laughs> subdivided into 15 Makond, aka counties. Um, and it is one of the least populous members of the European Union, the Eurozone, the OECD, the Schengen area, and NATO, which means a lot of space. There's not, it's not too dense. Um, they rank consistently high for quality of life, education, press freedom, digitalization of public services, and the prevalence of technology companies. Interesting. Um, Estonia is situated in the northern part of the temperate climate zone and in the transition zone between maritime and continental climate. The climate is more continental in the eastern part of the country and the maritime in the western part, especially on the islands. Um, Estonia actually has over 2,000 islands that are a part of it. Um, and Let's see. Estonia has four seasons of near equal length. So everyone who loves seasons and a not too long winter. Oh, nice. Good place to go. Now. The, yeah. The average temperatures range from 64 degrees Fahrenheit on the islands to 65 degrees inland in July. Um, and the warmest month, which is July. And then it ranges from... 29 degrees Fahrenheit on the islands to 22 degrees Fahrenheit inland in February, the coldest month. And the average annual temperature in Estonia is 43 degrees Fahrenheit. Ooh, that's kind of chilly. Is that right? Oh. Anyway, fact check that. <laughs> um, just a few fun facts about the country to close with. Um, wife carrying is a sport. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? You carry your wife? Is it like yeah. a machine? They have a sport for this. This peculiar Estonian pastime may not have made it to the Olympics, but uh, <laughs> this magazine, I guess I got it from, gives it a gold medal for pure entertainment value. What's more, the <laughs> rules are fairly simple. As the name suggests, husbands pick up their wives and race several hundred meters with their better and clearly wiser halves upside down on their backs uh, with her legs over his neck and shoulders. The track must have two dry obstacles and a one meter deep water obstacle. And here's the kicker. The wife carried must indeed be your own or a neighbor's or at <laughs> least and, and at least 17 years old. And before you ask, yes, this is a world championship. That's crazy. That is crazy. I think it's getting a little outdated, but I saw occurs. this. I read about this years ago, and one of the most interesting facts about that is that where it came about was used to be there was Sri Lanka. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Estonia. They had um, a bunch of villages, and people guys would go to the next village and steal women. 
to and do the oh and then run them and of course they wouldn't like hold them upside down that was that was actually designed they found out in the race used to be they would carry them like piggyback but some guy in us figured out this was if we hold her upside upside down they can hold on tighter and they were able to run faster so that was a maneuver completely from the sport but going so it's uh, strategic yeah it's strategic but the oh. thing was it, it's kind of like it originated from stealing women from local villages oh i don't like this anymore <laughs> <laughs> this horrible. it's right. crazy right yeah that would be like a really interesting like book to write is some story about you know like if you're not a good kid this is what's gonna happen to you yeah, <laughs> yeah really <No. laughs> Gee. all right um, okay well a few more fun facts um yeah, there let's is- do something happy yeah <laughs> there is Free public transport for locals in Tallinn, the capital. So if you are not a local, you do have to pay. It's nominally priced, but still pretty cool if you're a local and you live there. So maybe if you're like the digital nomad and you have that visa, you get free public transport in the capital, I think. Um, Estonia also has two UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Old Town Tallinn, which dates back to the 13th century. Um, That's where I spent most of my time when I was visiting. It was fabulous. Super cool. Highly recommend. And the Struve Geodetic Arc, which is actually a chain of survey triangulations to help accurately measure a meridian. It was the first technical and scientific object in the world to earn a World Heritage status. Estonia boasts some of the cleanest air in the world. And my personal favorite legend has it that the first Christmas tree placed and decorated in a European town square happened in Tallinn's town center in 1441. However, this is contested by their neighbor, Latvia's capital, Riga, saying they did this exact same thing around the exact same time. So the A jury is out. Yes. Yes. But beautiful northern Baltic country could be worth your digital nomad time for, you know, six months to a year. There you nice. have it. Yes. That's cool. Ah, Tanya, you're up. All right. So Got now. I I've, I haven't been to Portugal, but I really want to go. Um, mm. uh, I've heard all kinds of great things, so that'll be something I want to do soon. So I've heard of the islands of Madeira, and they're they're like 350. I'm gonna, I don't know if it's kilometers or miles from Morocco and and in the Atlantic. And now um, there's a digital nomad village in one of the islands called. Punta do Sol, oh. and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it's it so Portugal, um, you know, brings it to like the next level. Um, this island, uh, Punta del Sol, del Sol, um, is just called the Digital Nomads Madeira, and it's a project that was created as a digital nomad village, and it's uh, the island of Punta has eighty two hundred. Uh, have inhabitants and the town will host up to a hundred remote workers at a time. Um, so it's like, a, like a community and they, once you sign up for that, there's all kinds of memberships. It's like, 
Um, you have a free working space, free internet access, Slack community. So all the digital and technology things that you are going to need to work. Plus they have like fun activities and events. So, you know, you, you pretty much walk into a community of people that are doing, that are doing the same thing as you. Um, and they're trying to put an initiative called, um, a startup, my data. So all the people who want to do startups, which is another thing that I found that some of the visas that people get when they do digital nomad are for entrepreneurs or people bringing in business to the country. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there is the website Digital Nomads Madeira if people, if anyone is interested in seeing that. So that caught my eye and then I started to look into that. And just like the two of you, kind of the same process for the visas and, and, and so forth. And there is no specific program designed for digital nomads in Portugal. There's the something called a D7 visa for entrepreneurs, um, but it's also used for the digital nomads. And it can fit, you know, anybody, uh, as long as you have like the independent income that you guys were talking about. And it's more for someone who maybe wants to be there for a year. So it's kind of like, what do you want to do? You can get the visa and then not stay the whole year, right? So that's something that, that can happen. But um, that the reason they did that is because that opened up to like people who are retired um, and other expats from other places who want to come and live in not just that island that I mentioned, but like Porto or Lisbon. Um, and maybe they even want to... Um, you just kind of make that their home. So one of the things that that can happen, or let's see, hold on. I have notes everywhere. I know this is what it is. It's <laughs> like a one-year um, visa, and then it can be extended to two years. But a lot of the people, for some reason, do five years. This is like, for some reason, people like to go, and that's what that's worked for them, to have like five years. And... I love like you're saying the specific uh, specificity of the amount of money. So you need to have like 12 months of savings. Um, a, uh, this is interesting. 8,460 euros for the adult. I don't think we can live here for 8,460 anything. Seriously. <laughs> right. And then you add another adult for another 4,200 euros. So, so that means it is very low very affordable, I'm going to say. Um, again, criminal background, six months of bank statements, kind of the same, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, to repeat, but that is kind of, um, like, I just thought that was just a little bit of a different take on it. Um, but compared to other European nations, Portugal has a really small population, which of course I don't have, but it is small. Um, it's, it's because a lot of the people's, uh, moved out and like migrated because of the economy hasn't been very, very vibrant. So this is an opportunity for digital nomads to come because they have a really good established infrastructure. Um, they're very, they have a lot of the internet infrastructure already put in there. So uh, a lot of the places to go, they just have the like Wi-Fi going. Um, let's see. I thought it would be fun to go to, Porto for me, I'm sorry, well, I'll start with Lisbon. It's an emerging tech industry and it has great beaches. And then you have um, a lot of investors and expats moving there. So um, they have a really high speed internet infrastructure and 
a lot of the startups go there for that reason. And they get a visa called the golden visa program. So, mm. um, so then I would imagine that that would be another really interesting place to kind of, to go land Porto. Let's see. Is the other one that I liked because of the cobbled streets, the castles, the houses, the hills. Um, it's like you're living in a fairy tale and, I want to live in a fairy tale if I'm going to work remote. <laughs> so, um, it's a little bit more money, but it um, it also has a lot of the infrastructure. I mean, the other towns that I searched ended up being really good, but not the, with all the all the amenities that you would find in in a, like a in a metropolitan city. Um, it ranks one of the most eco friendly countries in the world, which I thought was kind of you know, good wow. to do, to yeah. know if that's something that's important to you. And then I did some fun facts to Kristen. I thought, um, let's see, it is, well, Lisbon is four centuries older than Rome. So I thought I didn't wow. know that. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, wild. And then Portugal is the home of the world's largest, largest cork forest. Um, and it's the lo- world's largest cork producer. So now you know where those bark grows on trees. It's actually the bark. <gasps> Isn't that wow. crazy? Yeah, yeah. The bark. This is half of the world's cork. I had no idea. That's kind of so cool. embarrassed. I didn't know this right now. This is like all news to me. <laughs> I didn't impressive. know. I knew there was a cork forest, but um, I didn't know it was there. But yeah, I didn't know it was there. I've heard of it, but um, it's okay. Just drink some wine. It'll be fine, Kristen. Okay, thank you. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> She's been using the ones with the screw I've on the, the top. Fork. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Okay, <laughs> and then because me and my books, the old the, the oldest bookstore is in Lisbon, and it was um, 1970 no, no, 19, <laughs> um, is uh, it's called Bertrand Bookstores, and now they have them all over. But that's the oldest one, and it's still working. Um, I think that might have been the only facts though. I thought the cool one was that it's older older than than Rome. So Yeah. That's something kind of I out there. Have, yeah, I thought that. And that's it. That's my little you know what I want to know is the the digital nomad island. Like, I wonder if people arrange themselves like from the time zone that they're from. Because if they need to be up working, you know, when yes. it's like midnight in Portugal, but it's like noon at where they're from. And I then, have so many questions about that place. You that, probably wander around, and there's always someone up, you know, because it's right. like they're working. Oh, yeah. Time zone. yeah. Yeah, so they probably do. I'm sure the hundred people that are hosted have, yeah, by region by. Yeah, that'd be fun. Industry, so I was gonna do a little bit more, uh, and, and I don't know, just kind of find out. I thought it was a very cool right. find. This is the Eastern Time Zone Street where you'll find everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. so. That's cool. that. So then, you're next. What's your number two? Oh boy. Okay, so my number two is Sri Lanka. Wow. Sri Lanka. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good one. So, once again, I mean, I don't. This is. Like, there's a lot of places that I have on my list. This actually is not, wasn't on my list, but now it kind of is on my list. Yeah. Um, it's on, uh, Sri Lanka is on the southern tip of India. Um, it is an island nation. 
it uh so i'll talk a little bit about it they're famous have apparently really really beautiful beaches they have serengeti kind of wildlife they have lots of um, ancient ruins um and lots apparently very luxurious resorts and it is uh, on the southern tip of India, as I had mentioned. Some people call it the Pearl of the Indian Ocean, but also they have called it the Teardrop of India. They have a large variety of animals. They have over 123 species of mammals, including elephants, leopards, and crocodiles, and 227 species of birds. It's also famous for tea. So, yeah, yeah uh. so... The um, Sri Lanka apparently was before known as Ceylon. Um, Ceylon, I, yeah. Yeah. and Like Ceylon sapphires. Yeah. And, and Ceylon the, tea. Yeah. Sorry. Tea. Sorry, you go. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, you would know more than I do, um, but I'm learning this. And so that's where the tea came from and brought from China by the, uh, in 1824 by the British. And then they started producing it and they are one of the largest tea producers in the world. Um, so they have over 1 million people who work in the tea industry, which is roughly, from what I understand, about 5%, a little bit less than 5% of their whole population wow. works in the tea industry. Um, it is also the home of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. So it's famous for their cinnamon. And, um, you know, so those, oh, and, oh, geez. What is on their flag? I all of a sudden I blanked. They have a really beautiful flag with the animal on it, and all of a sudden I'm just blanking. Oh, I don't reason. even know. So, um, yeah. So they oh, they, they have a lion. Yes, a lion on their called on their. the Cinna flag or lion flag consists of a golden lion holding a castane sword in its right forepaw in a maroon background with four gold bow leaves, one in each corner. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, it's two more two more distinctions is that uh, they are ranked as for number two of the for women's solo traveler index safest some of the safest cities for women traveling alone and oh, the nice. best vegan travel destinations to visit in 2022. So wow, yeah, I think it's so lots of Buddhist and Indian food. Um, is all vegan so makes sense i mean mm-hmm. they're close by and you know so so they don't have this is going to be pretty short um on the facts of how to get a digital visa they don't have a specific digital nomad visa but what they do have is you can get visa extensions so mm-hmm. the extensions are up to 270 days and it just depends on what country you come from so first of all the there's a 30 to 90 days extension so typically you get a visa it's 30 days and then from 30 to 90 days you can do it online and they're mostly in europe like australia i'm sorry austria belgium denmark etc 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 usa canada japan um and that extension costs about um 150 but it's free for americans for some reason I have no idea. And then once you get over your 180-day extension, you can actually apply for another extension. 
is 180 days to 270 days extension. And then that is when everyone has to pay. And that's for $200. So um, it's for the total of, you know, probably about $350, depending on where you're from, you can stay up to a full year and just on a visa, just hanging out and working. They don't have any other, um, they don't have any other stipulations other than that. It's essentially a vacation visa. And you can go directly to the Department of Immigration. Just Google this. It's really easy. Department of Immigration and Emigration, Sir, Sir, Sri Lanka. And they actually have all the details to do that. Of course, you can also get re the same place they have the residence visas and how to apply to become a citizen. But um, it's it's fairly simple you know, nothing else. Nice. That is easy. How interesting. Yeah. yeah. It feels like a hidden the, gem. The, um, the requirements are kind of all over the place, depending on each country is kind of what I'm picking up. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From just the digital nomad or visa and so forth. So yeah, I think doing your homework before anyone travels over there. Yeah. I think it's our, um, it's essentially, these countries want you to come there. Um, they see it as an opportunity that you can bring um, money into their countries. Yeah. And they try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. yeah, And not take uh, jobs away from the people there. So you bring in your own work and then spend the money there. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it's kind of perfect for all yes. of us. Like win, exactly. win, win. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. What are we doing here? Let's all go. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll add one more kid. thing. So U.S. nationals, you don't even need a visa in advance of the trip. You wow. can all be done through electronic travel authorization. So you could just do it online as long as have an air. Apparently, as long as you have a U.S. passport, you, you just, I guess you kind of show up. They really, really make it easy. Wow. That's pretty so, awesome. Yeah. Love it. Um, well, we're going to pivot. I have a also another island date um, <laughs> to talk about, um, and it is the wondrous Malta. So beautiful. I was interested in one of my trips. I actually met um, a woman who um, represented an institution in Malta, and she was so fabulous, and I got so interested in um, where she was from, and I just knew nothing about it, so I wanted to look into this for our Digital Nomad um book report as I considered it. Um, so first I'll talk about um, their whole digital nomad situation. So they have a, res a nomad residence permit that enables holders to retain their current employment based in another country whilst legally residing in Malta. The permit is open to individuals who can work remotely and independent of location using telecommunications technology. Malta already hosts and welcomes digital nomads from the EU. Um, this community of entrepreneurial expats make the most of Malta's island vibes, a nomad lifestyle, business networking opportunities, and cultural experiences. So this permit is issued for one year, and it can be renewed upon application at the discretion of Malta, um, as long as the applicant still meets the set eligibility criteria. 
Applicants who are interested in staying for less than a year will be issued with a national visa for the duration of their stay. And COVID-19 travel restrictions may apply as of like a few days ago when I looked this up. So to be eligible, you must be 18 years or older. You must be able to work remotely and independent of location. And you must be a third country national, excluding the EU, um, the European Economic Area, and Switzerland. Nationals from the currently ineligible countries um, who are not eligible here are Afghanistan, North Korea, Iran, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan, Syria, Yemen, and Venezuela. Um, additionally, applications from the Russian Federation and the Republic of Belarus are currently not eligible. Furthermore, one must prove that he or she fits under one of the three categories here. Employed with an employer registered in a foreign country and has a contract of employment. Self-employed, conducting business activity for a company that is registered in a foreign country and of which the applicant is a partner or shareholder. Or freelance, when you offer freelance or consulting services to clients whose permanent establishments are in a foreign country and with whom the applicant has contract agreements. So if you're like me, you know pretty much absolutely nothing about Malta other than it is an island. So as of 2021, their population was a whopping 519,000. So they're mm -hmm. barely half a million. Their capital is Valletta. Their currency is the euro. Um, their government is a unitary parliamentary republic. Their head of state is President George Vela, and the head of government is Prime Minister Robert Abela. Their languages are actually Maltese and English, as we will learn in the history. And 66% of the Maltese consider themselves conversational in Italian. So if you speak Italian, you'd be pretty good to go there. So Malta is an island country in the European Union consisting of an archipelago in the Mediterranean Sea and is considered part of Southern Europe. It lies 50 miles south right off the coast of Sicily, 176 miles east of Tunisia, and 207 miles north of Libya, both of which are the African continent. Malta has been inhabited since approximately 5900 BC. It is located in the center of the Mediterranean Sea and has historically given it its great strategic importance as a naval base, with a succession of powers having contested and ruled the island, including the Phoenicians, the Carthaginians, the Ginians, the Romans, Greeks, Arabs, Normans, Aragonese, Knights of St. John, French, and British, amongst others. So they have a very varied history of rule there. Malta is only 17 miles wide, and it is the world's 10th smallest country in area and fourth most densely populated sovereign country. Oh, wow. So this is the opposite of Estonia. This one is very dense where Estonia was not at all. Malta is increasingly referred to as a city-state and is one of the two island countries in the Mediterranean, the other being Cyprus. 
Malta became a British colony in 1813, hence um, the English being an official language, serving as a way station for ships and headquarters for the British Mediterranean fleet. It was besieged by the Axis of Powers, the Axis Powers during World War II, and was an important Allied base for operations in North Africa and the Mediterranean. The British Parliament passed the Malta Independence Act in 1964, giving Malta independence from the United Kingdom as the state of Malta with Elizabeth II as its queen. So they have only been independent since 1964, and then they became a republic in 1974. And it has been a member state of the Commonwealth of Nations um, and the United Nations since its independence and has joined the European Union um, as of 2004. And it became part of the Eurozone Monetary Union in 2008. Malta has a Mediterranean uh, climate with mild winters and hot summers, which is hotter in the inland areas, and rain occurs mainly in autumn and winter, with summer being generally dry. The average yearly temperature is around 73 degrees Fahrenheit during the day and 60 degrees Fahrenheit at night. The coldest month is January. Um, where temperatures range from 54 to 64 Fahrenheit during the day. And the warmest month is August. And typically the maximum temperature ranges from 82 to 93 degrees Fahrenheit during the day. So it's a lovely Mediterranean island is the short, (laughs) the long and short of it. Um, So here are some fun facts about Malta. Malta was awarded the George Cross. So King George VI of England awarded Malta the George Cross for its bravery during the Axis siege in the Second World War. What kind of makes it interesting is that to this day, the George Cross appears on their national flag. So it is still there. Um, Malta's capital, Valletta, was the first ever planned city in Europe. So during the Order of St. John of Jerusalem, the city was sketched out in 1565. It was actually planned. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah, a European one. So really cool. Um, Malta is one of the countries where people drive on the left side of the road, which is one of the legacies of the former British rule. And Malta has been a popular filming location for movies. So actually, I didn't even know this movie existed, but there was a 1980 version of Popeye with Robin Williams. And that's amazing. Whole, that whole village it called Popeye's Village exists in Malta. Now I think I have to go look that up. <laughs> yeah, the real name was Sweet Haven Village, but that whole thing was filmed there in Malta. They have also on Malta filmed scenes from Gladiator, World War Z, and Captain Phillips, as well as TV series like Game of Thrones. So when I read that, I had to look it up. So actually, in some of those earlier seasons, I think just season one, Malta was actually King's Landing which most people know King's Landing as Croatia because it did get moved there. But in season one, all of those up-close filming locations were in Malta. And like I said, Malta is apparently the opposite of um, Estonia. So Estonia had two... um, World uh, UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Malta has 10 and like a fraction of the size. So despite that size, Malta has... Three inscribed cultural heritage sites, so the capital city of Valletta, the Hal Safflian Hypogeum, and the Megalith Temple of Malta. 
And then currently there are seven sites on the tentative list, and these include the Coastal Cliffs, Duera, the Victoria Gozo Citadel, Knights Fortifications around Malta's Harbor, Midna, Maltese Catacombs, and the Victorian Lines Fortifications. So these sites are protected under international law and preserved in the interest of the international community and considered to be of major significance to humanity. Um, Keeping in tradition probably of the joyous nature of island states, Malta celebrates 14 national holidays throughout the year. This is one of the highest um, amounts of national holidays um, amongst EU countries. So if you like having those extra days off work, assuming you can get uh, your host country days off work, even if you're working remote, Malta is a good choice. And Malta has been described as the country with the best climate in the world by international living. It was also voted the best place to retire. Oh, wow. Woo. That's a lot for a little island. I know. Who would have thought? And when you look it up on a map, it is tiny. It's only 17 miles wide. So it really packs a punch. I really like that. I think that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And imagine being in the middle of the Mediterranean, like from there, you can go to Tunisia, to Greece, to Sicily, to Italy, to France. Like what a great jumping off point. Yeah. Jumping off point to do all kinds of stuff and not work. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, mine is almost predictable because if you know me, (laughs) I want to go live in Spain one day. Ah, yes. Um, so I looked up it's in Spain and I did not realize that there really isn't a digital nomad. Visa. Oh no. <laughs> it's just, it's called, um, a non-lucrative visa and okay. it's, you have to register with a, with an embassy and, you know, just show that you're not really, it's almost like kind of, I'm going to not sketchy, but <laughs> just please don't work here you know, and take jobs from our, from our citizens. But sure. because they really do want what we were talking about, the, the digital nomads to get there, um, the non, they're, they're putting something together, but the regular, like non, um, the European other countries just have their passports and they can live there under, you know, under six months without needing to register or doing, do anything. And then those that are non-European country um, citizens, that's when you register for the non-lucrative visa. But they are about, it's been proposed to, I'm going to see what it's called because it's a um, Spanish Council of Ministers has agreed to submit a draft version of something called the Startup Law to the Spanish Parliament, which is the Startup Act is to, to go, it's a digital nomad kind of visa. So it's not yet launched, but it has a lot of the specifics available. So people, when it does happen, be ready to to have all, all your information. And it's kind of the same, you know, com- not compete with workers there, use your own laptop, um, which is a funny thing to add, um, meet financial requirements, which is anywhere between 1,000 to 3,000 euros a month. And you cannot work for a Spanish company. You need to have, but you can work at a Spanish company if your income is less than 20% of what you make, which that's like this weird. Yeah. So I guess I could go in there and work for 19% 19% of the time, I'm thinking, is of like 50%. Okay. 100%. Yeah, so that's kind of this is weird little thing that I found in there. And then, um, so 
it almost feels like you can go and see how it works and how it happens. Um, it's not kind of um, like really set in stone. But once the digital nomad, the Spanish digital nomad visa um, is set to go, um, it's in last year of approval, then you can renew it every year and then just kind of keep going. It sounds like it might be something that it's going to take a minute to do. Um, it can include some extensions. They still don't don't have all the all the paperwork and things, but it, it would be good to assume that you need an employer contract, a letter or a letter of an employer, your bank statements, you know, proof of your stay, all the different things that you all have mentioned. Um, and I was going to say that one of the ones of the cities that I really liked, it was, I think it was Malaga, of course, another like coastal city. Um, and I think it's because I'm not a, I'm not a teenager. And this is where a little bit less um, club hopping people live. <laughs> so it's kind of like something and, you know, kind of laid back and expats, retirees, a lot of history there. Um, but you still have all the, all the, infrastructure to be able to to work uh as a digital nomad um it's 320 days of sun and uh, you can really just like live for under a thousand euros 780 euros a month for um like a place to live uh, a one bedroom uh, a flat they call it which would be yes. for a family so I can't beat that. And then, but if you do want to go have fun and play, you can go to, you know, Barcelona, which is, that's the digital nomad capital of, of Spain because there's so many people from so many places. The bad thing there is that during the summer, it fills the streets and beaches and everything's just completely crowded during the summer. But that's a side um, note, by the way, you're saying 780 euros, yeah. 780 euros, euros right now for the first time forever is almost a one-to-one ratio. Actually, the yeah. U.S. dollar is stronger, so uh, that's actually $777 a and month. I think that that's really wow. good to live in, in my, yeah. my expat place. <laughs> um, let's see. Anything else? I think that this visa is going to try to also do the um, for the startup people, the investors, that kind of thing, which one would open up for you to have like a resident visa to be there if that is something that you want to do. Um, and then I think I, again, I also did a little bit of fun fact and I'll start with something silly is that in Spain, there is a tooth mouse instead of a tooth fairy. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> so instead of leaving teeth for a tooth fairy, the Spanish children leave, leave their lost teeth um, to a mouse called ratoncito Perez. So little, um, uh, Perez, uh, is it mouse? So little mouse, right? It's just his last name is Perez. And in 1894, they, they put that, it was a tale, like a story. And that's what it got stuck. And that's why everybody does that. So according to the story, the little mouse comes and collects the tooth and puts a little gift of money underneath. So when I was little and lived in Puerto Rico and Colombia, that's what we have is that's what comes and gives you, not the tooth fairy. Then I came here to the States and I'm like, oh, 
no, I still want the little mouse to come and do it. The mouse is way more believable. Of course a mouse can get in your house. The house right. lady going to come in. <laughs> so that's, that's fun. And I did, um, Spain has 49 heritage, world heritage sites. Wow. But of course, All right. yeah, and so I thought, so some of them are like the top ones that I came up with. Alhambra. That um, Gaudí's La Sagrada, the you know sacred family, mm-hmm. and Camino de Santiago, um, and then it has uh, it's in the Guinness Book of Records to find the home of the oldest restaurant called Sobrino de Botín, which is the nephew, oh Lord, of the of the treasure, I guess we can call it, and it is a it's an eatery that's been open since 1725, and it's still is open. I want to go to that. So I think those are the things that I came up with is, is um, fun facts. I love it. Your book report was really good. I really learned a lot. It was so good. Um, I did a lot of research on the other cities and kind of things. And it just varies on, I think what I saw was, are you, what age are you or what work do you do and how much, what does your life want to look like? Then you go to this city or that. So I think um, a recommendation is, you know, what is your lifestyle? And, you know, don't go to the, the city where everybody's partying till three o'clock in the morning if that's not what you want to do. But, mm-hmm. you know, so that just kind of common, common logic. Um, sure. But that's kind of my, my takeaway from the research done on this. What about you guys? Uh, I wish I didn't have a kid so I could go <laughs> work remote from some of these places. Right? Oh, yeah. The uh, top of the list ones were, you know, like, there's a lot of them where it's like Italy and other places. And it's like, it's just amazing some of the places you can go live for a while, you know. And then, and then the cost. I mean, like, being able to live there for such little money um, seems really attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It is no. that. That is what I think. Because I would, I did some like budget. I'm like, that's crazy the amount of money. Um, like in Barcelona, you can have like a flat. I can't remember now how much it was, but if you go just a little bit further, maybe 20 minutes out, it's almost half the price for a place to live. And so you know, wow, instead of like a yeah. thousand euros, it's 500. Come on. <laughs> so it was yeah. fun to dream. Totally. Yeah, and just imagine like if. You live in somewhere like Southern California, where you just the rent for a single bedroom could be three thousand bucks, you know, and it costs seven hundred dollars to live somewhere else for the whole month, including food, food yeah. and board. Imagine, you know, maybe you can save up for a house. You know, <laughs> it's one of the ways you can save up for. <laughs> That's true. So. Well, okay. that was fun. <laughs> Was. So I think that's it on our Digital Nomad podcast. We covered Croatia, Estonia, Portugal, Sri Lanka, Malta, and Spain. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you want more, then check us out on our Facebook or Instagram social media pages where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, and more. Also, and- if you're newer, oh. Go ahead. (laughs) Also, if you're newer to our show, check out some of our older podcasts, Florence, Italy, Hawaii, and some crazy things that have confiscated on TSA. Go check them out. Um, In particular, the one, what is it? The bringing a chainsaw on a plane? Yeah. I haven't heard that one. I'm going to, I might go even go look into that one. (laughs) Ah. 
Um, believe it or not, you are allowed to bring a chainsaw, but you have to put it in checked luggage. But anyways, <laughs> last of all, before we leave, we want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. They only offer the best courses for professional education. If you need a career boost or looking for a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu. And thanks again for tuning in. Bye. Bye, everyone. Take care.